0: on your sexy face this is good this is the best you can. all right so steph you're a doctor of physical therapy yes okay um well first of all thank you for coming in and working with ryan um you know his deadlift is something there's not many things uglier than his deadlift. so we appreciate you coming in to help help both of us work on it because i don't want to look at it anymore um how did you get here like what's your path how you become a doctor of physical therapy?
1: Yeah, so I have always been interested in the human body and anatomy and all that stuff. And I didn't want to become a medical doctor. That just wasn't interesting to me, the internal medicine side. But anatomy and joints and biomechanics stuff was always pretty cool. Okay. So I was lucky where I had that idea when I was in high school. So when I applied to college, I applied directly to PT programs went through the undergrad part of the PT program, didn't hate it, then stayed through grad school. And as much as the grad school portion of it was terrible, uh, the stuff that I was doing and learning was really cool. And I was still interested in because I do know some people who went through grad school and then unfortunately realized like, Oh, this isn't for me. Yeah. And I wasn't one of those people. I came out and Started working for a corporate PT clinic and then kind of became a little burnt out on the PT mill side of everything. Uh, got a taste of private practice, loved it. Cause you get to do whatever when you, you can are make in a difference. practice. Yeah, yeah, you can, you get the time when you can work one on one with people and really put all of your brain and your effort into it. And in, in clinics, when you're seeing three people on the hour, every hour, or every other hour you don't have that time to sit and really think and make a difference in somebody because you're bouncing from person to person to person
0: you're going to PT now right do you feel like that when you go there like you're like on a factory line no I don't
1: um I don't know
2: how corporate my place is that I'm going to though I'm not going to say like where it's at or anything, right but like when I go there it's like a small it's they're like a bigger PT company but like it's a small office mm-hmm. so like it's just that office they don't like no I don't feel I don't really feel it but I understand what she's saying I felt that yeah. way at places before but mm-hmm. yeah. this one I'm good to all right
0: I feel That's like like ATI is probably like the most common one right I
1: uh, mean like uh, yeah. where I was it was different companies owned by select medical they're okay. kind of own the whole country uh, they're, they're like one of the biggest PT conglomerates in the nation. They have clinics and they own hospital groups all over mm-hmm. the country. And I think they're like the, they might be the biggest one followed by.
0: Why does this sound scary? It's like, yeah, it, like it, the picture just keeps getting darker. Like they're bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, I just picture some fat guy <laughs> in a suit. Just
1: like, yeah. Yeah. um,
0: so how did you go from uh, your interest in PT, right? So when you were younger, probably early 20s, Mm -hmm. um, how'd you take that into getting your doctorate, right? And, uh, into like powerlifting and that kind of stuff.
1: So, uh, going, getting my doctorate in PT was always the goal from senior year of high school. Wow. And then went through and finished, but I've been an athlete my entire life. And I ran track and field. I dove competitively. No way. Yeah. I wasn't very good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I started when I was the kid who at the town pool would be throwing all kinds of tricks off the diving board. Really? And then my mom That's was awesome. like, okay, I guess we'll put you in diving. And this was when I was in high school. Yeah. And I went and i was very out of my depth uh, there was another girl who was also like a late joiner and we used to we used to joke that we were just the worst ones on the team which we were like but then when anybody else would say something the two of us would be like you can't say that <laughs> um but that's so
0: true that's about I, everything <laughs> i only
1: i lasted in diving for about two years or so and but I love track and field and that was what my passion was and my diving coach at the time he was like you know you either have the option of you stay on this team or you leave for track and I was like okay mom come get me like I walked out of practice I I was I was sopping wet and just walked over grabbed my diving bag and was like peace and never went back
0: what did you
2: do for track
1: I was a sprinter hurdler you wouldn't oh, expect by the fact that I am so small, but yeah, Ew. sprinter hurdler.
0: So one of my good buddies is, a he was a sprinter mm-hmm. through middle school and high school. He's shorter than I am. Um, he's one of the best bodybuilders I know. Yeah. And I swear that there's something to do with like muscle, uh, recruitment when you're young and like going through puberty and all that stuff. And then like muscle development when you're older.
2: Probably. Ian is a sprinter. Really? Yep. College too. Like he made it pretty far, I think. Huh. But he's a bodybuilder.
1: There's so many powerlifters that I know who used to be, like, track athletes. Yeah.
2: Oh, listen, you're right. And it's just, it's so funny because it's like, uh, I mean, just all the muscles and, like, the stretch. Did you do a lot of stretching? Mm Mm-hmm. When, like, for track and everything? I feel like all that, like, is just getting you ready for, like, just being athletic
1: yeah and i like i I did track and field from eighth grade in middle school all the way through my first year of grad school yeah i attempted to be on my collegiate team because i had one year of eligibility left because my sophomore year i had a a season-long injury so i redshirted that year and so i was like oh well i'll use that last year when i'm in grad school that was dumb um the stresses of grad school and the demands of being on a collegiate track team did you
0: mix. make the team though?
1: Oh yeah. Oh okay. I was. I mean, I was I mean, on the team. That's the um, battle. I, like in in college, there's not so much cuts when you're like recruited and everything. I technically was recruited, but the woman who recruited me was fired. I shouldn't say she was fired. She had left the school before I think I had accepted. Hmm. So my name never got given to the head coach. So track practice started and I wasn't there. I didn't join the team until like a week after. And then um, I just had to kind of show up and jump right into it.
0: Okay, so athletics all the way up until 23? uh, 2013,
1: yep. And then my first year grad school, I just, uh, I didn't eat well. I drank a good amount of beer. and i i ended up gaining a good amount of weight and then during that summer of 2014 i was like okay i don't like how i feel so i started working out more and then i was working out with my old track coach then my third and final year of grad school so now we're in like the winter of 2015. i missed competing like i had done a few years off i was like i need to compete in something like just going to the gym and training is not fun like i need a purpose so i started powerlifting training because bodybuilding just wasn't as interesting to me um but powerlifting i was like oh i'm strong i've always been strong like let's go so i started powerlifting in like late 2015 competed in my first meet in april 4th of 2016. And I haven't stopped since.
0: Well, it's it's a lot more relatable, right? So, like, when you're competing in track or field, you were either the fastest or you weren't. Mm-hmm. And in powerlifting, you're either strongest or you weren't. Yeah. Right? Like, it's relatively black and white. Bodybuilding's just this giant gray bubble. And uh, that's, you know, I have a similar story. Like, I played baseball most of my life. Um, towards the end, I was in more of, like, a beer league mm-hmm. mostly, even though we we're in our teens. Um, the guys, like, took it less seriously after. Because I think, like... As far as like traveling com- uh, competitiveness and stuff, it really dipped off at like 15 on the private side, yeah. like not in high school, um, but on outside teams. And then, um, you know, when it becomes less competitive, like you have a void and you don't even know it's there. Yeah. And then like you find lifting and you start being competitive in the gym with somebody and then you're like, oh shit, like there's that fire again. And then you just kind of take off and run with it. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So when did you finish up your doctorate program?
1: 2016. So I graduated okay. May of 2016, and started treating in October after I had passed boards and gotten hired.
2: Okay, and then and you started competing.
1: I, That's cool. Yeah.
2: So what are your numbers? Like your best numbers? I so guess you say.
1: in number. in comp because right. we're just going to go comp numbers. Uh, I just squatted 315 at uh, nationals. Okay. I've hit 191 in comp, but I've also hit. 205 in the gym for bench. Okay. And then deadlift is my, is my event. Yeah, and, uh, currently my meet PR is 430. I have attempted 451 and it's going to be there. Um, but I just, that was my fourth attempt at nationals. So I, I didn't end up getting it, but it wasn't because the strength wasn't there. It's just, my positioning was gone because I was gassed. It was a long day. What weight class are you in? 60 kilo. So 132 pounds. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's what I would have guessed. Thank you. Thank you for the penalty. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I can't do kilos. That's okay. <laughs> we... uh. When I was at Penn State, I actually voted on the the weight class changes, Mm -hmm. and uh, so we condensed from like, I don't know, maybe 11 weight classes to 10, but then they all changed, right? So it used like, the traditional ones were like 181, 198, 220, Mm -hmm. 242, and then it changed to like 184, 205, and like, I can't even remember the rest of them. So does USPA adopt that, or are they still traditional?
1: yeah USPA is still traditional yeah, that's um, good. USAPL like is the one who kind of transitioned over, but now that they've left IPF, they've gone back to traditional and yeah. powerlifting America is the one yeah. who maintains the newer uh, weight classes yeah. and they and they switched them around again. Um, I think they either split some classes or combine some. I'm not sure. I'm not. It's yeah, not a federation that I'm in, yeah. so I can't say. that. I don't
0: know what happened with all of that, but I feel like there's no point in competing in the USAPL anymore. The, for me, the only point of competing in that federation was at the chance to go to IP, like an IPF world event, mm-hmm. and like I got invited to uh, to bench worlds when I was in college, and um, like that was cool, but like that wouldn't happen if I was in the USAPL now. Like there's nowhere you go after you know nationals. Yeah. So I, I like the idea that it's tied to an international federation. So if it were me lifting, I don't see a point in going to the USAPL.
1: Yeah, uh, it and that's kind of the conundrum a lot of lifters are in if they're starting to pick a federation. So they it's like, well, do I do I want to be in a federation that has an international branch? Um, you know, what level of drug testing do I want to be in? There's so many different things that you can go with um it
0: probably depends on how competitive you are yeah if you're really competitive you're going to go to that level where you can go international if you're not that competitive you're going to pick what's convenient yeah right like that's what it comes down to
1: uspa has their um their branch of international as well right um I actually have been invited to be on their y- national team at Worlds in Gold Coast, Australia. Are oh, wow. you going to go? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. When go is that? Cool. November 3rd. November 3rd, oh, 3rd Of 6th. this year? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So um, being a national, and it's just competing for the team award. So it's you're one of the top six women who's on the, the team, and they have top six men, top six women, and you're just competing for the, the team award event. Right. So I was I got a call earlier this week and they they asked and after talking it over with like coach and family we were like yeah we're doing this.
0: It's enough time yeah. right? So you can go in an off season where you're not too stressed out and then go into a nice little meat prep.
1: Funny enough, no, <laughs> there's not an off season. I'm also competing at a meet at the end of August. Huh. Um, that has a 2K prize payout. Oh nice. So I want to yeah. do that meet. I want to try and win that meet so I right. can get 2K to pay for the trip to Australia. (laughs) So after talking it over with my coach, he's like, you know, I think we can do it. Uh we're gonna do a longer building phase leading up to that meet and a short peak. And then we're gonna do something else leading into into worlds.
0: I mean, your coach has always known, I'm sure. It's not the first time he's had, you know, uh two meets in a six month span or so.
1: Yeah, and he's like, you know, I think you can do it. It's it might not be your favorite thing the entire time, but as long as you're not doing this every year you're that you're not gonna put yourself through too much of a ringer right and that's also one of the nice things about being a PT is like when little stuff kind of goes wrong I can I can help myself on my end to make my to feel better and work out an injury or something
0: do you see another PT by any chance
1: No, I probably should for some things um, because, you know, when you're too close to something, it's so hard to get an actual view of what's going on.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, But I did just meet someone recently and her and I have very similar views on treatment and treatment styles. So if something goes, she's definitely the one who I'm going to go to. Okay. Uh, Because, you know, I can walk in that office and feel like I can turn my brain off because I know you're going to treat similar to me but different enough where you're going to get a different result than if I did it to myself.
0: Well, sometimes you need somebody to move things around, right?
1: Oh, like yeah. you can't do that I yourself. You can't work you know, on you're, my like own hooking back. up
0: strings and pulleys really? like there's no other way to do it. Yeah.
2: I swear, that's what I'm that's what I was going to ask you because whenever I like I have the graston tools and like the theragun mm-hmm. and like I swear when I do it to myself it doesn't work, but when I have someone
0: else do it, it feels great. Does the theragun actually work at all though?
1: so oh, it it works temporarily so. yeah. for uh, decreasing muscle tension. okay Here's a pro tip uh, put the muscle on stretch before you use it. So if you're using it on your quad, okay like bend your knee back and have some tension on the muscle right. you'll get a you'll get a better that effect than if like you were just kind of going into a muscle on rest. Thank you
2: so much because I was telling you how I sit on my heels. yeah. I always thought about like, man, it'd be nice to hit it with the gun right now.
1: Gently. It will be Okay. Pretty intense. Yeah, so yeah. just kinda start with a light hand and work into it as you go.
0: Oh also awesome. I will. My yeah. wife has one of those guns and I've used it a handful of times. I'm like, this thing sucks. It doesn't like do it. It anything. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean long term I don't think it I don't look it for it to do anything, but sometimes like if I'm if I have like a knot in my back or like or I get done a workout and my legs like right now are like sore. Mm-hmm. I'll just run it on there. It takes the pain away a little bit.
0: I don't know. I always put like a value, like what it does versus the dollar that you spend to get it. Yeah, so or it was a gift, so well, hey, then you. that's a great value. It's <laughs> not even mine, really. It's my wife's.
2: But I well,
0: take it. <laughs> um, prior to the podcast, we worked on Ryan's deadlift, um, You had him doing some stretching, a little bit of mobility work and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, where do you stand on like dynamic stretching, static stretching when and how to apply them.
1: So for mobility purposes, like if you're trying to increase your hip flexion to get in a deeper deadlift or to be able to sink deeper into a squat, you're going to want to do that mobility work before you squat. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, you don't want to stretch that intensely before you do a big lift because it reduces your power. Yes, if you only do it that one time. But if you're constantly doing that that mobility work and you're doing it before every single squat, you're going to strengthen through that new range of motion.
0: When you say mobility, just can you clarify that? Like you're saying static stretching is okay?
1: Static and dynamic is mobility to me um, because you can do more dynamic things where you're. It's a more continuous movement, like a continuous articular rotations or cars, where you would be taking a joint through its entire range of motion, and that would be more dynamic than to laying on the ground with maybe your leg out to the side and really working on like an adductor stretch kind of thing. Either one I think is fine to do and you just gotta find the the correct program for yourself and what works for you. But in in the case of lifters and doing mobility and stretching before a lift if you're trying to improve your overall mobility and sink deeper into something or get a better get a, get better positioning you need to do that mobility work prior to training because you're going to open that that range of motion but then yeah in the beginning it's going to stink a little bit because you might feel like oh I can't build the right tension but as you work through that new range of motion, you'll strengthen and you'll maintain that new mobility because okay. you're not going to be able to uh, just static stretch a muscle and then expect to maintain that, that new range of motion. You need to strengthen at that end range to be able to hold yourself there. Okay. So for you doing the like the glute stretch that we did. And then going in to do deadlifts is actually a great way to do that because you stretched out the muscle, but now you're sitting all the way into that new range and requiring your strength to be able to start from that new position as opposed to starting in that low position, then your hips raise up four inches, and then the bar breaks the ground.
0: That makes sense. This gives me a lot of relief because uh, I, I've struggled with a lot of hip issues, like mm-hmm. outside hip, and what will happen is like uh, you know, in the middle of a heavier squat, Uh, it almost feels like it's exploding, right? And uh, I battled with it, you know, at that meet that you hurt your shoulder at. I was Mm -hmm. dealing with the hip. You gave me that freeze spray, kind of fix things a little bit. And uh, But the the only way I can really train legs with compound movements, especially a barbell, is by static stretching my adductors. Mm -hmm. Everything I read, everything I see is always like, don't do this, don't do this, you're going to be weaker, you're going to be more prone to injury, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm pain-free when I do it. So, like, I, I feel like I've been going against the grain with that. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is giving me a little bit of relief. You read too much.
2: Got to do what I do. Just don't read.
1: You also have to, when you're reading those kind of studies, you have to think about what were the conditions of the study? Right. How long was it? Um, are these untrained or trained individuals? If you're looking at a one rep max after doing a lot of hip stretching, yeah, you're, you're not going to be very strong because you've never done... You've never sh- squatted or deadlifted or benched with that new range of motion, right? So, so you're like, changing
0: the el- elasticity of the muscle. Yeah,
1: but if you're doing it regularly as your warm up, yeah. Because if you're telling me that being, if somebody's trying to say, oh, you shouldn't do dynamic or static stretching before a workout, it's prone to injury, then like, what is gymnastics and dance based on? Mm. Like, yeah, like
2: what if you warm up? And then you do the the um, static stretching. Like say you walk on a treadmill for like mm-hmm. twenty minutes. Yeah. And then you do it. I mean, you're warm when you're stretching, right?
1: As long as Isn't you're not the same going or... to like crazy end ranges, even yeah. cold static stretching, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna really injure yourself or hurt yourself at all. If yeah, if you came in from outside and you're like actually physically cold and try and get into the deepest mm-hmm. hamstring stretch of your life. It just yeah, awful. Yeah. That's going to mm-hmm. suck. <laughs> but if you are warm, you walked on the treadmill, you warmed up your legs and then you start easing into like a stretch, then yeah, it's fine.
0: Yeah. Since we're on the topic of stretching, um, how long are you supposed to hold a stretch and how long does it take, you know, days, weeks, months to change your positioning? <clears throat>
1: So, I like to hold things upwards about a minute. Okay. Um,
0: That's not that long.
1: In, That's yeah. It's like a
0: lifetime, dude. A whole minute of holding a position, dude, I'll, I'll be screaming. When I was doing Ramwad, it was like four I minutes. Yeah, like ROMLOD. three, four minutes that yeah. you're there breathing Yeah. in one spot. Yeah. 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 And, dude, my heart rate would go nuts. And then by the end of the four minutes, I would finally like have it calm down.
1: But then your foot's numb, and then you kind of like <laughs> yeah. flop that. So, anyway, back for a to a bit. minute.
2: That sounds better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one minute.
1: But it also depends on what kind of stretching you're doing. If you're just doing like a static hold stretch or you're doing a contract relax, which is kind of what we were doing where yeah. I had you press your foot into the plate to contract and, and get that stretch there that was nice. and then relax where you relax and then lean into it a little bit more to take up that slack that you just created. Yeah. Um, there's so many varying numbers. I mean, you could probably pull multiple studies that show different things for different populations I never give times to my clients when they're when I'm giving like a home program or something like that. I truly tell them like hold it until you feel like you're done. Because if you're just looking for seconds or repetitions of a mobility exercise, if it's a more dynamic range of motion mobility exercise, if you're thinking, "Oh, I need to do this for a certain time or I need to do this for a certain amount of reps," you're not n- always mindful of the quality of that stretch or that mobility. Okay. I feel that. Cause exercise. I used to set my
0: timer and yeah.
1: So I don't, I don't give like, Oh, you should do this 15 times. Oh, you should do it 30 times. It's like, do it until you're done and you'll know when you're done. And if, if that day you don't want to spend as much time on it. Okay. That, I don't, I don't mind. But if there's a day when you do that one sh- stretch or you do that one mobility exercise for a few minutes or you know, 40 repetitions, I mean, it's not its not going to hurt you.
0: What I like about what you told Ryan to do is it was 100% applicable for his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. If you told him that he had to come in here and, you know, walk around the block six times, you know, stretch his calves for 20 minutes, you know, do this for another 10 minutes, he wouldn't do it. You I know, could it, walk <clears throat> around
2: the block six times, bro. <laughs> no, you couldn't. Stop selling me short. And come I on, dude. You'd be in a coffin walking this, that far. The, all right. um.
0: But, but it was, it's applicable for him. Like he can come in, he can do that and he can just start lifting. I mean, in total, you're probably looking at maybe five minutes of his time, you know, so it's not altering his life or his lifting. It's not taking away from him, you know, exercising or anything like that. Yeah. So
1: most of the home programs, when I give them to my, my patients and clients, I try not to make it like, okay, so this is seven exercises. It's going to take you 45 minutes to get through. You're supposed to do this many repetitions. I try and find stuff like, oh, you can do this during your Zoom meeting calls. Oh, you can do this while you're washing the dishes or you're in the shower or you're sitting on the couch. Um, Oh, you're at the end of your day and you're just watching TV doing nothing. Sit on the floor. Sitting on the floor, personally, I'm more likely to start just randomly stretching something. So if I sit on the floor, even if I lay down, I'll be like, okay, well... Maybe I'm just going to bring my knee to my chest while I'm, I'm down here. Oh, now it just turns into me stretching for on the floor a little while. Hmm. So I try and and give lifestyle changes as opposed to a rigid program yeah. because people have lives and they can't have oh five days a week I need to do my forty-five minute workout on top of everything else I have going on in my life. Right. It's it's not sustainable.
0: Hmm. Where do you uh, where do you stand
1: on like foam rolling? If it makes you feel better, do it. I am not the biggest fan of just like rolling on a foam roller or kind of throwing yourself back and forth, but I know a lot of people who love it and it really makes them feel primed for their lifting. It's not hurting you. I don't care. You're not wasting my time. Do it.
0: It makes me tired. When I foam roll, I get like sleepy. It's because you're
2: probably laying on it.
0: No, I mean, I'm actively rolling.
1: I, that's the only thing I use foam rollers for, is I lay on them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I lay with it down my spine yeah. and do oh, different, like, thoracic mobility yeah, stuff. Yeah, she's yeah, not
0: yeah. taking naps on it. Right. I know what she's saying. Yeah, I'll do, like, the... Yeah. Yeah.
1: You yeah, see, alternating, the yeah. hugs, the bank robbers. Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. gotta add but in the bank mean. robbers. They're yeah.
0: What about uh, body tempering? Have you done any of that?
1: No. I, have, I don't have much experience with it, but in I, I feel that it's just you become acclimated to pressure. It's not all the time breaking something up because the amount of force you have to use to actually cause changes in the muscle tension is a lot. Um, I mean, most most studies when it's done on massage show that it doesn't have much physical benefit to the muscle but it has a wonderful benefit to the person where they feel significant release from it but when you look at you know the muscle during whatever study objective finding that they use to quantify it it didn't really change much
0: Hmm.
1: so if it makes you feel better do it like for so body tempering if you've if you've tried it and you're like oh my god it's the best thing it's the only thing that's ever worked for me and i'm never going back to doing anything again go for it but is it something that i want to do not necessarily um i guess i if if somebody really knew what they were doing and they're like oh we're gonna go yeah why not you know what's the worst thing that's gonna happen is it hurts a lot
0: i don't know those things are like some of them are super heavy and they're right near your spine
1: I would hope they don't put something that's like a hundred pounds on me. Yeah. Like, it, I'm small.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it it interests me. I've never done it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, with Donnie Thompson being in powerlifting and being, uh, you know, at one point he was the greatest powerlifter uh, of all time. Um. So a lot of people picked up on what he was putting down, mm-hmm. and he's doing it with NFL players. You know. So I there's probably something to it. I I don't know enough to you know be able to decipher what's going on, um, but that's all you know that's the furthest I've gotten with is that it interests me
1: yeah so. I, I think it's cool um, I haven't read any studies on it I don't know if there's been any studies conducted yeah, on it it's so new I can in my assumption of kind of what I know about what happens uh, within the body I think it's just your body acclimating to the pressure so that's why you can tolerate it more but I could be very much wrong And the next, another guest that you have on here is like, so that's why she was wrong. And I'm going to give you every reason why.
0: Well, no, I mean, you're, you're stating that you're not familiar with it, but we're actually, um, I'm trying to get him here. Um, just because I want to ask him a lot of questions about it. And, uh, plus I look up to him. He was on the cover of the first powerlifting magazine I ever bought. So, um, bought a powerlifting magazine. Well, actually, they were free at okay. the, the meet. Right. That's what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it was so the first. The it was like, uh, what was that? Wasn't that Mark Bell's magazine? Yeah, like, power or something.
2: Yeah. Uh, no. He used to put all the rankings there. This is before I started. I don't know.
0: Donnie was on the cover of it. It was that. when he had just totaled 3,000 pounds. He was the first one to ever yeah. do it. It was a big deal. He did it at like 46, too. So mm. he wasn't young when he did mm. it. Um, but I just remember looking up to him because I was just getting into powerlifting then.
2: Can I ask something to you? Yeah. Um, scraping or mm-hmm. Crastin, whichever one. Well, how do you feel about that? I do it. You do it? Yeah. Okay. Um. So. I love that. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it feels so it's, good. It's the yeah. one thing I've gotten where like, I literally have felt and seen the results, but go on.
1: So I use scraping the most in more of like a chopping manner. So mm-hmm. kind of how you'd use a Theragun. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay. I, I have... Um, tools from rock tape and okay. they kind of look like if a if brass knuckles and an axe blade had little babies together
0: she sounds lovely yeah it sounds yeah. awful almost <laughs> a,
1: they they took it away from me when i was going through tsa and no. i had to mail it back to myself yeah i flew out there fine but on my way back yeah. tsa was giving me trouble and so i was like i'll just mail it i'm not i i I'm not checking a bag, so yeah, yeah. I'll just mail it home. It was the most expensive piece of mail I've ever sent. Huh. I think it cost me like thirty-five dollars because it weighs like three pounds. Oh,
2: like check the bag, almost. What's check bagging like? Yeah, but then 50 you got to check it on the way back too. Oh, uh,
0: yeah.
1: I would have had to go through like everything yeah. again so it was just like just take it it's fine yeah. like i i, I want to go home
0: so, so
2: you do grass what, what are
0: you actually doing during grassing because I, I i see the people on instagram with the the steel blade and then they get all red what's yeah. actually happening during that process
1: so the the course that i took was from rock tape and they uh-huh. focus way more on the neuromuscular aspect of it that you're not affecting the muscle itself you're affecting the neurons and the nerves that are sending signals to the brain, and then the brain sends the signals back to the muscle to have that relaxing effect. Huh. Um, so when you're doing more like quick brushing techniques like this, it's the idea is to stimulate the muscle and get better contractions. When you're doing those long, deep, slow, yeah. you're trying to. Cracking the. You're fascia. trying to cause relaxation and just like a down regulation so the 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 brushing is more an up regulation the deep pressure is more of a down regulation and then the chopping how i use it is to is more the physical breaking up but you're not physically breaking up anything you're just allowing better better glide sliding glide of all those muscles and layers because you're really not going to break up fascia i mean okay it's it's kind of hard to just physically do anything with your hands i mean next time you have a chicken breast cut the cut that little skin off of it that it has that little white filmy Uh and then take it between your hands and try and rip it apart that way that's fascia you're not going to do much damage
0: when when i had grass and done it was back when i was still powerlifting um my erectors were super thick back then and that's what she scraped on Mm -hmm. uh i noticed like relief almost instantly like hey somehow some way it got through all that muscle and i noticed like my mobility even the way i like would stand it just changed
1: yeah so that's the down regulation so um you're affecting the different mechanoreceptors and the muscle talks to the brain and the brain's like okay we're going to down regulate we're going to relax we're going to decrease that tension and that's exactly the effect that you're going for that relaxing effect like oh i can move
0: so when would you apply something like that
1: uh, if somebody has like a lot of tightness and, and soreness and pain and not so much like, oh, I just worked out and I have that muscle fatigue, you can use it then and it's not going to have a negative effect, and but it's not going to have like a crazy greater effect. Again, you're just having that relaxation and down regulation. So anytime you have like a muscle that's just holding a lot of tension and it's just firmer than it really should be it's it feels tight it doesn't feel like it's moving my quads quads.
0: yeah my quads i'm gonna
2: i'm gonna stop by yeah yeah Yeah, this sounds great yeah as you're saying it like i can feel like the throbbing and like my muscles they're like freaking so sore but go on sorry
1: yeah so uh that's the down regulation is really what's gonna cause that relaxing so you you end up having decreased discomfort and increased emotion and what's
0: the redness from
1: it's just the friction and um sometimes you're breaking blood vessels like little tiny capillaries there are some schools of thought where you want to encourage bruising and because that brings the blood and the nutrients and everything and then other schools of thought are like if it happens it happens if it doesn't like we're not going to try and make this person bruise and bleed. Makes more sense. Yeah, so I I, I subscribe to the thought I'm sorry, um, I subscribe to the thought of if the bruising happens, it happens, but I'm not going to sit there like going after your leg or your arm or back to like cause bruising so that we can bring nutrients and blood to the area. Like, What
0: are the top like body parts that you typically apply grass into
1: uh, that seem
0: to be the most common?
1: Backs. Upper traps and like quads a lot of the time. I'll use them on calves. I'll use them on biceps. Oh, the calf. Forearms.
2: So sensitive. Mm
1: -hmm. Hey,
0: we're going to talk about calves.
2: Listen, I I had it the one time and it wasn't, it wasn't, it was the the one you're talking about that calls of bruising. And the doctor, she lightly grazed like right the inside of the back of my knee Mm -hmm. and I was gripping like the, the table like it was hurting so bad.
1: Yeah, I try not to do a lot of treatments. Like you should to me. I want you to be able to relax. I don't want you to be sitting there like white knuckling a table, right? Because when you're when you're doing that, your body is like in a. A defensive state like yeah, because it's under sure. attack yeah. so yeah. it doesn't allow that relaxation yeah um, I was so like, that's, gritting
2: my teeth time. So.
1: and that's one of my tips when I give people stretches is you mm. should be able to have a phone conversation like a business meeting phone conversation oh, I love that
2: thank you like
1: you should feel <laughs> a stretch but you shouldn't be holding your breath you shouldn't be like wincing and trying to force it as far as you can you want to be able to breathe into it and use your breath to increase space and relax into it. Oh, the only thing you're going to be lovely. able to do
0: is lay down. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that sounds
2: great. So what? So what do you offer? You offer this, you As you call it, scraping. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. You offer scraping. Cupping. Cupping. Does, does that? Do you think that works? Cupping.
1: It makes like it can increase range of motion, and it it helps people uh, a lot of their just general symptoms it kind of gives them the feeling that they can move a lot more
0: and what's that doing it's just promoting blood flow yeah okay
1: promoting blood flow and you have the vacuum of the tissue being lifted up in the cup so the thought process is you are getting separation of those layers of tissue and when i use cupping i put like a lotion or a lubricant on the skin and i glide the cups so you're getting a change in pressures across the tissues so
2: that's what i'm getting done on my elbow right Mm -hmm. now the mobile cupping. yep is it helping? Oh, I know listen. That feels amazing. Like just the gliding of the thing. And it does. It it um it's like it was sore afterwards. I don't know if it's supposed to it yeah. was sore afterwards, like I worked it like well, it wasn't pain. Like it like, was, you like it was getting, forearms, like it yes, yeah, so, like it was getting worked on. Like I felt relief from it. I'm still I have really bad elbows. So like I'm we're still working on it. But like the first time uh she did it. I was. It was just like a good sore afterwards, but um, it did give me like instant relief though. Like you said, it feels like it was pulling like the... What is it pulling? The <laughs> tissue. It's yeah, just lifting and yeah. getting
1: separation through all those t- so layers of tissue. So you do
2: the mobile copying, you do the scraping.
1: Mm-hmm. I um, do dry needling, oh, uh, which wow. is like a form of acupuncture. So yeah. it's under the umbrella of acupuncture. And this is more of... You're looking at... At the the trails of nerves, so coming out of the spine, and you're looking at is this a neurological reason that you're having like these zones of dysfunction? So like trigger points and knots and stuff like that. Um, like if you have a lot of trigger points in your quads,
0: mm-hmm.
1: while assessing that, and I could just take a needle and pop that through, and you know you get a twitch effect, add some tens to it, so you get the contractions through the whole muscle. But if you're just doing that, you can be missing a lot of things. So you want to look at a full neurological exam of how the muscles are functioning so that you can find out, oh, is this just like a it's a quad issue or is this all from the nerves that stem from this nerve root and you can track it all the way down the leg kind of thing.
0: I'm just thinking like neurological pain. Like, do you think that people have like uh, like shadow pain at sometimes or is that what that would be called?
1: Uh, no, so I wouldn't Ghost say pain? that it's a like a phantom phantom That's pain. What it is. Yeah, I was close. It's <laughs> uh, think of it more that
2: like a nerve.
1: Yeah, it, it's following the trails yeah. of the nerve. So you have all the branches and nerves coming off the spinal cord. They all branch out, but then rejoin and then branch out again, and they you can end up having symptoms of. Different pain and uh, those kind of trigger point areas, they all fall along like a little pattern, almost mm-hmm. like a stream all the way down the leg.
0: Is that type of pain typically like more chronic?
1: It can be um, okay. because it's, it's. yeah, I, I would just say, yeah.
2: <laughs> like sciatic pain. It it comes it like runs down the leg right, but no.
1: So that would be more in in the medical field we call that radicular pain as like sciatic pain. Ridiculous.
2: Like I'm ridiculous. No, just that
0: statement is okay.
1: (laughs) So a radicular pain is a nerve pain or some kind of pain that is felt away from the actual area of dysfunction. So in uh, a a disc herniation you feel numbness in your toes. Well, your toes aren't the thing that has the problem. It's the disc pushing on the nerve, causing symptoms into the foot. Mm -hmm. So um, muscle can also put tension on nerves and can lead to similar effects, but not necessarily as great because it's not as much pressure that's being put on the nerve.
2: So that was with my elbow, because it hurts right here. Mm -hmm. We were talking about that, how it... um, it may be like a nerve pain, mm-hmm. and um, that's why um, we we were run, running it around it. I don't know. If that makes sense. Yeah, just trying yeah. to clear up
1: space. Like you have multiple different like nerves that come down into your arm, like your right. radial nerve, musculocutaneous nerve, and ulnar nerve. And depending on which one they're working on, like a lot of stuff gets bundled around the yeah. elbow and then down into the forearm. And if you have, like you're saying bad elbows where you have a lot of issues with them then yeah nerves are probably involved
2: just my lockout when i go to lockout oh my god
0: could that be from a shoulder so too yeah yeah
1: a lot of elbow pain like especially when it's like i have elbow pain with squatting it's a shoulder issue
0: no that's how it's always been for me as well um, but usually that shoulder issue for me was actually like a lower trap issue. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's nerves down there, but what would happen to me is I would just be sitting there, I'd feel fine. And then all of a sudden I, the first time it happened to me, I actually thought somebody was holding a lighter to my tricep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, somebody's burning me and I, and there's nobody there. Yeah. And it was just that sharp pain. And, uh, and then it happened a few times, you know, after that. And I realized what it was.
1: Yeah. It can, it can happen from the position of your scapula is, is not being held where it should be. And you have a bunch of nerves that come off of your neck and then come kind of over the front of your body into your armpit. It's called your brachial plexus. And when you have poor shoulder positioning, um, with certain motions, you can end up with like those nerve symptoms. I personally end up getting, uh, shocks on my elbow that go all the way down to my pinky when I'm deadlifting yeah. sometimes. Is that from a low bar squatting?
0: Like putting the pressure on your elbows?
1: Um it's from my my shoulder position. Like so I have I have scoliosis. Okay. So because of the way my my skeletal structure is, it puts my shoulder in a more like rotated forward position. And I have to do a lot regularly to maintain its its position there. I can't just do like rehab for six months and be okay. Like I need to do that all the time or else my, cause it's my physical skeleton that wants to move in that direction. So I have to kind of de-rotate myself and that's where it comes from. So my scapular position changes and just something moves in such a way where I get the sparkles.
0: I never even paid attention to that until I was probably like, 26 and uh, a customer I come in the store is a chiropractor and he starts like basically making fun of the way I was standing and how my shoulders were rotated forward and Mm -hmm. he's like you have to come see me man like this is getting bad and it's just not something I ever paid attention to until he said that and then I started looking around and like I feel like almost everybody from 20 to like 25 when they're still in the elementary part of lifting like almost everybody's shoulders come forward like that do you see it a lot in the gym
1: yeah and I also see it in like upper levels of of uh lifters as well been bodybuilding and powerlifting um people who are just so chest dominant and they're more rounded forward and then being in that position and not straightening out their upper back becomes more rounded as well so they just have a hard time straightening out and I'm I'm actually currently working with somebody who's dealing with the same kind of problem when he would go for his when we looked at his overhead mobility his arm got to like here and like here
0: that's me yeah same here my left arm will go all the way my right arm won't go anywhere
1: yeah so for him it was getting his shoulders back and down but then also getting his spine a little straighter um you know you can have eight different people with the exact same symptoms and they're the eight eight different treatments it'll follow similar styles and similar exercises Mm -hmm. but the focus of the exercise or treatment is going to be different
0: all right. So we got to dry needling. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's next?
1: Uh, I also do custom mobility programs. So if you're want to work on your overhead mobility or your ankle mobility, hip mobility, I can build you a program based on what your limitations are and have you improve that way. Um, some people, it's not even necessarily the exercise. Like they're doing all of the the stretches and exercises that I would give them, but their intention or their posture positioning with their body is off so they're more just cranking on a joint and ligaments rather than stretching them or strengthening a muscle so i i give the custom mobility programs so you come in we do a little assessment um then i i build the program for you and take you through the entire thing so that you know how to do it appropriately and i always tell people like hey if you're in the gym and you have a question come up to me like it's fine Mm -hmm. like like I'll 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 give you your form cues, and I have I have previous patients who show me their lifts all the time, and like, oh, what do you think of this? Like, I've been working on this. What do you What do you think? Kind of thing. And then, um,
0: you, do you do massage?
1: Yeah, but it's more like just quick relaxing massage with like on top of with some stretching on okay. top of it, um, and those. It's are not all, with the
0: candles and the the dim lights. No, and, no.
1: no, no, no music, no. uh... It's, it's, you know, 20, 20, 30 minutes of just getting after whatever I feel is gonna help you best kind of thing.
0: Do you think like deep tissue massage and all the different types of massages, do you think they have their place? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, also at um, PowerBuild KOP, we have PJ uh, and he, muscle mechanic.
0: Yeah, that's the guy I actually reached out to he used to be in like Reading, right?
1: Yeah, so he, he also used to be um Warhouse. I think he had like an office in Warhouse, but That's, he's worked in a whole bunch of places. We so were talking to
0: him at one point.
1: And he he's deep tissue specialist and I refer people to him and I go to him myself. He's a phenomenal therapist. Um he really knows what he's doing when it comes to like Especially if you're a bodybuilder and you just you're carrying a lot of resting fatigue and soreness, and you have like you're looking a little bunched up and you you don't have that symmetry that you're looking for. He just knows how to get in there and and create that separation and pull it out for you.
0: He's a pretty big guy himself too, yeah. right? So he's like just like you. He's like about the life, right? Yeah, he gets so
1: it. He gets
2: about it the life. He gets exactly. It. <laughs> She's about that life, of course. The muscle life. That is interesting though. When you graduated is when you started um, powerlifting. Mm -hmm. And then through that, do you think that like influenced, obviously like influenced where your career went?
1: A thousand percent. Right. Um, If I wasn't as into powerlifting as I am and strength Mm -hmm. training, I think I probably would not have left for private practice because I mean the general orthopedic population is a really fun population to treat like the post surgical stuff I even mm-hmm. love my medi- the medicare patients I used to have they're just a lot of fun but working with athletes was just it it all clicked mm-hmm. like I could I could understand exactly what was going on so much better I mean if a golfer came to me and was like oh hey I'm having trouble with my swing and be like well, we're going to find someone else for you because I know nothing about golf so um, I, like, my wheelhouse is, like, strength sports, CrossFit, weightlifting, um, I know a fair a bit about running, because of my background in track and field, um, but if somebody was coming to me for a very specific, like, tweaks on a sport that I really wasn't knowledgeable on, I would probably refer them out and be like, like, I uh, we can do some work if you'd really want to, if, if. If that's going to make you happy, awesome. I'd love to work with you. I want to make you feel better. But if I know somebody who's going to help you even better than me, I'm going to give you that person. Because to me, it's not about just, oh, I want to get you as a patient. I want to keep you as a patient. I'd I'd rather have that person feel confident that it's like, oh, I like her. but And she wants to send me somewhere else because she knows that person's going to give me better care than she can. And so then maybe, who knows, maybe that person will tell their friend who's a weightlifter, powerlifter, general fitness person of like, oh, hey, like she doesn't do golf, but you should totally go see her.
0: Before I keep putting you on the hot seat with my million questions for you, <laughs> uh, what else do you offer? Let's just keep going through the list.
1: <sighs> Aside from... Oh, I also have uh, Rapid Reboot treatment. So the compression garments, like oh, uh, nice. the Normatec stuff. Yeah. So I just have a different... It's the exact same kind of model. Uh, it's just a different brand name on the side of it. It's called Rapid Reboot, and it uses air compression for a massage and relaxation. So I have... Four different garments. One of them is like giant boots that you put on. They go all the way from your foot up your thigh. And it gives a circumferential massage all the way up the leg. And it's perfect for those times when you need like a giant foam steam roller to roll over your body. Um and I recommend though using that when So when you're
0: just feeling like beat down. Yeah, is that what like you're
1: super sore, fatigued. Mm-hmm. Like you just you just yeah, super sore and fatigued
2: yeah I, I used those before I loved it and then I used the shoulder one mm-hmm. too you have that one yeah I
1: have both shoulders and okay. I have hips as well so it gets oh, nice. like hips and low back and a lot most of more guys like the hips ones than mm-hmm. women um I personally love the boots I'll put that on for 45 minutes and almost fall asleep it's so relaxing mm-hmm. just sitting in your chair because
0: it's hitting your feet yeah
1: and just everything else in general it's just so comfortable and relaxing because um, it, it starts inflating at, like, the foot and the ankle, mm-hmm. and then it does the calf, then it does around the knee, then it does the upper thigh. So it's it's very relaxing. It's very comfortable, and it just feels like a nice big squeeze to your legs.
0: Yep. What else? I feel like it just keeps going.
1: Uh, aside from PT, that's... that's... You now we've kind of exhausted the list. Okay, I'm going <laughs> like... right,
0: right back to my questions, <laughs> and I'm just going to keep going. Uh, one of the things I learned from... Um, one of the John Meadows Mm eBooks was stretching during lifting, Mm -hmm. right? So you'd hit a hard, excuse me, like a, let's say halfway through your workout, you were doing leg extensions and you'd hit a really hard set and then you'd stretch out the muscle. Um, for me, that was like an efficiency thing, Mm. right? Is because I I would just be standing there anyways. I might as well stretch. Then I don't have to take time out of my day later to do it. Yeah. Do you think there's any value to intra-workout stretching?
1: i mean i've done it before and it makes me feel better in the moment so yeah if it makes you feel better and you're not like taking away from your training because you're gonna go lay on the floor Mm -hmm. and stretch for 45 minutes yeah just hitting a quick something to to feel that lengthening and feel like the moving of the pump so you don't feel like you're just one giant ball of whatever
0: do you think it has do you think it could contribute to muscle growth
1: i don't know okay not sure
0: It does make me feel better. Like when my quads are all pumped up and just stretching them out just gives you enough relief where like, I don't know, you just feel like you can get another set. Like
1: I, I can keep going now. I can keep going now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would be similar to me, like, of walking it out after, like, a set of something. We're just taking, like, a little walk in between, just getting a muscle stretch that moving in a different way than you were just doing it. So, you get that feeling of relaxation and, oh, I can actually continue on doing this as opposed to, like, falling into a ball of cramping on the floor.
0: When earlier we were talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, we were talking about um, the shoulders leaning forwards. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's a correction through... Like muscle building? Or do you think that's a correction through mobility work?
1: It's going to be more strengthening. Because you need the physical strength of your muscles to pull yourself back into that position. Um, I am not a fan of the like the bow tie things that you can wear to pull your shoulders back. Because it's just holding you there. You're doing nothing to hold yourself there. So if you're not building that internal tension, it's, it's not going to... It's not going to work and maintain any benefits. I think
0: why he made that and how it was used were actually two different things. Yeah. yeah I think the the message got lost there. Yeah. But I, I think he originally made that to position yourself better for relief during like a heavy squat. Mm-hmm. Right. To, to give yourself a little bit of shoulder relief, not yeah. to like change your posture or anything like that. And that's what people use it for. They don't
1: yeah. use it for that intended of like mm-hmm. of almost a reminder of being a little bit more open. Um and people use it in the sole purpose of like, oh, it's going to hold my shoulders back and I'll have better posture. No, you just need to learn how to hold, hold yourself there.
0: So how would you, because um, again, my shoulders lean forward so right? still, even to this day. Uh, so what would you do to build up the strength so that way it didn't happen?
1: It depends on more the, what's the reason that you're in that position? Is it a mobility issue because you're super tight in the chest um, is it a strength thing where you are just super weak in, in your back and you just don't have that opposite pressure to pull you backwards? Because, I mean, in life, we're more going to be in in closing down in the front than, you know, opening up and, and doing stuff and contracting our backs that way. It's not as normal of a position to be where we're all hunched over and we're f- forward like that. We're not so much backwards and upright. So it can be – it's going to – depend on that individual person's reason as to what their solution is going to be. So if it's more um, strengthening, it's going to be positional holds and different band exercise, uh, isometric exercises, plate loaded something like strengthening to just improve that positioning and awareness of where your body is in space Um, there are so many studies that have been coming out recently showing that I shouldn't say so many, but more studies are coming out showing that posture does not have a correlation to your pain. Mm. So you could be a very forward rounded person. It's going to be how often are you taking yourself out of that position? Are you able to bring yourself out of that position? Because if you're constantly like hanging forward, yeah, you're going to feel a lot of tightness in back because your body is physically trying to pull you back upright. That's where that tightness comes from. So people who constantly feel like, oh my god, my upper traps, my upper traps, my upper traps, like my shoulders are always so tight, that's probably a little bit of a a weakness coming from low trap because you're now not getting that opposite pull. Because even though it's all one muscle, like your upper, middle, and lower traps are all one muscle, Um, It's because of the different angles of pull that the the fibers are oriented in that if you're not getting good low trap activation, which is going to pull those scapula like kind of down and back towards midline, you're going to try and stabilize with the upper trap from above as opposed to below. So like when you see people doing lat pull-downs and they're coming down and they're...
0: they're same thing with pull-ups, right? Yeah. So they kind of round their shoulders the compensation over.
1: And they that way to try and finish the motion and they lose all that tightness in their low back and they're more working the front. So that's more anterior work being done and, and not as much posterior work to keep you pulled open and in that more appropriate posture.
0: Do you think somebody who's uh, maybe doesn't have shoulder roundness or, or shoulder pain or something related to that um do you think them training like a rear delt movement like on the the pec deck or the rear delt machine or dumbbells or something is a good like preventative measure
1: it can be yeah 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 um Uh, like Superman's are a great one. We have some, like, uh, there's a common one of like W's where you're laying on your belly and you're lifting up and, and just contracting everything back and down to lift. Can
2: you do that? No, I hate those. There's
1: another one that I give people called swimmers that they absolutely hate. You're laying on your stomach and you take your hands and bring them up behind your head straighten them out and then bring them behind your back but because you're laying on your stomach and you're pulling your shoulders back the entire time you can't dump your shoulder forward like that to get behind your back so most people who do them they get their hands to like the sides of their butt or maybe just maybe the tops of the, the top of their butt and that's where the range of motion taps out but that's a great way to strengthen posterior shoulder and and keep that open up in the front
0: yeah i never even heard of that so try it. do you ever like come across issues of like inflammation maybe from diet or just maybe bad sleep or you know substance abuse or whatever it may be and like that is the root cause of of pain
1: it can be um i i do talk a yeah. little bit about lifestyle stuff i i try and talk about getting adequate amounts of sleep Um, and nutrition because if you're not sleeping and you're not eating your your body's not going to prioritize that rest and recover it's going to kind of just try and keep chugging along and just get you going and keep you moving as opposed to getting that actual like okay we're going to start healing you internally
0: that actually brings up another thing when i was uh, when i first started lifting i was doing tricep press downs that uh Planet Fitness, of course, and um, that was the first time that my neck ever, like, popped out, and what would happen is I wouldn't be able to move it to the right at all. Mm-hmm. I could only move it to the left, um, and it gave me a lot of pain. Um, you know, i go to chiropractors. Only one chiropractor <clears throat> could ever fix it, um, but the best way for me to reset would, I, I would actually just sleep like a robot and on my back, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's, that's the only thing I could ever do to get it to reset. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's...
0: What's sleep like a robot mean?
1: Flat on your back, no pillow.
0: No pillow, flat on my back, and I wouldn't move. I wouldn't roll over. Like Robots sleep standing up. Well, this one slept... Everyone knows that. Is that like a good term? I don't know. They, no, you should... All right. uh, I don't know, man. My hands oh, were sure. down by my sides. Listen, I was man. on my back. I was stiff. I didn't move. just asking the
2: questions that people <clears> want to
0: know. But that's the only thing I could do to reset it, and I still, to this day, struggle with that problem. Yeah. Uh, actually, like, just sitting here right now, I can feel my lower trap throbbing, hmm. and I've been trying to pay attention to it more. When I train back, I can activate this lat Great. I can't activate this one at all. Hmm. Like, I, it's strictly lower trap, nothing else. Okay. Um, so, I'm definitely dealing with something back here. It feels like there's a softball bulging out of my back. <clears throat> what? I'm not allowed to have I don't problems. know why I so thought only, that you was can ha- only you can have yeah, problems. It like, yeah, it feels like a softball. i oh, that's nice. That sounds awful. Jeez. You okay there? You yeah, mean, I'm dying. Problem. I struggle with allergies. Is that right? I think I'm allergic to your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you hold on that one. There.
2: <clears throat> you Keep that in old book.
0: That's it. Um <laughs> you have anything else? Um. Well, we, we covered a lot. Um, oh, I want to talk about calves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I know you're not a bodybuilder, and I know it doesn't really uh, get you going the way powerlifting does. Mm-hmm. But I have a theory, and I can't prove it because I have small calves. Okay. But well. my theory is when people train calves, they're not actually training the muscle of the calf. They're training whatever's right underneath it. Is that still considered a calf?
1: The soleus, so not like the gastroc, not the big muscle. Not the that big pops guy. Out.
0: Yeah. Yep. So we had a calf machine in here, uh-huh. and it was a standing calf, and because of where the pivot points and uh, you know everything where uh when i would use it i would only train right under the calf and it would drive me absolutely insane right and then I we got this thing. i hate that thing I love it was the worst anymore. piece ever um but that then we got serious. this little seated calf from mm-hmm. hammer strength and no matter what all i do is actually hit the top of the calf like the big meaty part
1: yeah
0: uh go ahead
1: so you're in in like a seated calf raise you're getting more soleus which is that deeper muscle you could just be hitting it at different angles and feeling it more or less in different places the standing calf raise you're hitting more of that gastroc so that big the big bulbousy muscle the soleus is what's going to make the gastroc pop out
0: okay the only time my calves even looked remotely big not big better okay better (laughs) Uh, was when I was doing a ton of incline cardio. Yeah. Because I think that there's something to do with ankle flexion, right, and the mobility of it, Mm -hmm. and then the activation of the muscle. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was like a month of incline just to build up my my mobility on my ankle. And then all of a sudden, I started feeling it in the calf, and then the calf grew. Yeah. So do you think there's anything to my theory of— Did you measure it? How would you know it grew? I saw it in pictures. Okay. All right. Wasn't the lighting? It wasn't the lighting or the angle, but the guy was Were a special photographer. Like they are right now? They weren't. Okay. They weren't. So, that would have been even bigger. Um, but I, I feel... All right. So, my theory is, first, your, your ankle has to have enough mobility, uh, and then, two, you have to be doing the proper movements to activate that part of the calf. Yeah. Before you can say that your calves are genetic.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, I'm uh, this is my own personal theory right now.
0: Um, I've a lot of theories on calves. Oh yeah, <laughs> why well, don't we just sit here and think about so them? So I've
1: I've recently been getting into and looking more into foot strength and foot stability and foot health and stuff like that. Okay. And my brain theory is that when you have better grip and strength through your feet and better um, dexterity of your feet, and mm. you you can you have to look that you have up. strong feet you're going to have bigger calves because all of the small muscles that control your toes and the midfoot and everything they have a lot more muscle bulk to them so it's going to fill out that entire circumference of the calf as opposed to the two main muscles which are the gastroc and the soleus so getting more of like the um like just other muscles on the side of the calf and and deeper to the sole like deeper to the gastroc that can help push everything out and you're creating more volume internally so that it everything looks bigger on the outside
0: all right so i have two questions one why do heavier people have really good calves That's
1: Because they have. true uh, a,
0: a lot of them do though like a lot of bodybuilders like um like evan Santapani talks about it all the time is uh he was a bigger kid and then he ended up with really good calves and you know, he diets down and you know the calf muscle and the structure's still there uh I don't think it's uncommon. I mean, I see a good amount of people that are your size, and they're not bodybuilders, and their calves are amazing. Okay.
1: So it, it's going to be having to do with how active the foot is while they're walking.
0: But do you think it has anything to do with, like, the load?
1: It could be. Um, I can just
0: picture him just staring
2: at all these big people walking <laughs> around, like, let me like see them things. Taking pictures? Yeah. yeah. Um, like, he's writing notes like, my theory. <laughs> the amount of time I watch yeah. people walk though, and yeah, think about that. Age. Like, no, 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 this guy no. watches all calves all the time. <laughs> so, you do it too?
1: Yeah, I watch uh, people's gate. Like, uh, I'll be sitting in the airport and watching people walk past. And I'm like, okay, so that person is doing this really? and that and this and that. One of my
0: friends at Penn State he put this in my head and it never could leave. So, he said, You have to, before you marry a girl. You had to watch where her calf attached. Oh my god! He said that if she crazy. had high insertions, she was more likely to stay thin, and if she had a a, a very low <laughs> insertion, okay. then she this was more likely to be heavy when we were older. Okay,
1: this
0: is horrible. that was his theory. So then it just started making me start looking at people's calves. Okay, so I don't know uh, if it's true.
1: Where, where's your wife's attached calves attached? She's like there? right in the middle. That's oh. The pro- that's, <laughs> that's, oh my god! That hey, I
0: hey! I had to check off the box. I look at all calves.
1: He doesn't discriminate. Yeah, no, calves. I appreciate all calves. <laughs>
0: Listen, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> I appreciate all
2: calves. My wife has wonderful calves. I like your wife. But you looking at her calves? I'm
0: not, yeah, ma- I'm not married saying, to her. <laughs>
2: just staring at my wife's calves. You can, calves, you not calves, calves, by the so way. You can't touch the calves. Too yeah. many people say calves.
0: Calves. 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 With a V. Whatever you say. Yeah. Okay, so all right. anyway, enough of that. Yeah, I, now I can't remember what my other part of that theory was. <laughs> Let's see if I wrote it down. I
2: think we're good on calves, dude. <laughs> no. That's enough of the calves. Right. <laughs> right. We're going to... I saw you, you have the uh, you have minimalist shoes, though, yep. right? That's what I I have been pricing them out and looking at them like all the, the time. Like the barefoot shoes?
1: The Vivo barefoot what yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. So you
2: got the Vivo ones. Um, how long have you been wearing those?
1: Since I... Since like I got them in December, this is the only shoe I wear. Right now, I squat, I deadlift, I bench in this shoe.
2: So you squat flat footed. Yeah. Okay. All right. A lot of the time, especially with uh, women lifters, they have lifters on. Yeah. Now I don't. I don't use lifters either. I use a flat shoe, but I really have. I haven't bought a pair of minimalist shoes yet because one, I don't have the money for like the really expensive ones. They're like one hundred and eighty dollars.
1: You can find um, yeah
0: Gucci foot flops.
2: Yeah, I, I wore them for five years straight. That was only I wore those every day.
1: <laughs> you can find like more price appropriate options, and not like the priciness of VIVO barefoot on right. like Amazon. I think zero X. So zero, zero is, well is a
2: little, little cheaper, but not not by much. I I go on Amazon and they have like all the bootleg ones, right? Okay. The bootleg VIVOS. So I'm like. I wanted to try them to see if I liked them, but have you ever owned a pair of those, the bootleg ones? No. Okay. I'm just curious because I'm going to end up getting one of those just to see if I like walking around all day with those shoes on because I I too watch uh, Chris Duffin mm-hmm. and talk about the foot health and yeah. everything. And uh, like you saw my feet today, they're very flat. Yeah. And I think that... Is the reason for a lot of like pain through my legs. Do
1: you have genetic flak feet? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. It,
2: it flat my whole life.
1: With uh with transitioning into a more barefoot shoe right. with the wider toe box and everything, grade yourself into it. If your feet start to bother you, mm-hmm. take them off and switch to a different shoe for, for the rest of the day. Cause kind of like forcing yourself to be on your feet like that is gonna it's just gonna be uncomfortable and sore, and cause increased pain there's no reason you should be pushing through pain like that pain but in the I, arch yeah like yeah. or just foot pain like if the ball of your through. foot is bad if the heel of your your foot's feeling bad
2: i just switched my work boot is a higher heel boot it's like it's called a logger's boot logging mm-hmm. boot and uh just switching to that i've never wore those before but doing what i do now all the guys that i work with wear them because they say it's more comfortable and it is but like switching to that like a higher heel was br- giving me a lot of foot pain yeah and I was like I'm just gonna fight through it
1: on the ball of your foot right yeah yeah because well, all your weight yeah. has been shifted forward We're, so now you understand when women have been wearing heels for six hours yeah. how their feet hurt yeah it's, and that's only an it's a inch. two inch heel
2: it's a, a two inch heel imagine yeah. you're
1: wearing four no oh,
2: <laughs> I don't want to I don't think I look very nice in some heels I
1: think bro. it would make your calves look great <laughs>
2: It would build the calves though, wouldn't it? No. Uh, No, because uh,
1: depending on how much you are resting on the heel, um, you're going to end up having shortening of your Achilles tendon as well, because since you're in that more pointed toe position, Mm -hmm. it gives the the calf time to stretch out, like to contract together, and that's I mean, I know if I wear heels for a long time, even if it's like a wedge boot, like where it's a thicker heel yeah. and you're not balancing on something the size of an eraser, mm-hmm. um, you put your feet flat on the floor and it's like, oh my God. Like, all mm-hmm. oh, my bones just moved and okay. not in a fun way. That's so, why all
0: the girls wear, bring sandals to the weddings mm-hmm. so they can dance That's why everybody and brings
1: flip flops mm-hmm. or just goes flip-flops, barefoot yeah. and gets stepped on. <laughs>
0: all right. But if you read our calf ebook, you would have known that you, you need, need flexion, need which calves. means fixed position need, in the heels and not going to build it. I you
2: exposed a little too much about calves and we have to go back on this podcast. Just call that. this one the calf yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. The calf episode. Yeah, it's the
2: calf episode. So Did you say calf? It's not calves. Go on.
0: No, I mean, uh, we can go down the rabbit hole of like shoulders traps and I want to do that, but I feel like we'll do that uh, maybe another time if... The people watching this want to follow you, where would they find you?
1: At Foundational Movement, Physical Ther- Foundational Movement PT on Instagram. I put out content when I do.
2: <laughs>
0: and if they wanted to follow like your powerlifting and stuff?
1: Double O 00 Hanson, 00, zero Hanson, H A N S O N.
0: And just for clarification, your office is where?
1: Inside pa- the Power Build King of Prussia location.
0: Cool. Well, Steph, thank you for joining us. We appreciate much you having, for having here. Me. Yeah, thank you for helping yeah. me that's
2: good i'm gonna follow you on like everything now I, I would like to come in actually no yeah. i know i was Schedule thinking the something. same thing i'm like yeah, hmm. for the scraping and everything uh yeah. how do i say oh we should have said that do we i set that up through your instagram
1: uh yeah so you can book either online mm-hmm. or you can oh, okay. dm me is okay. is either fine i have people who so do you, both you have like a website yeah awesome all right cool